Dad's home. It seems like a long time. Oh, I've missed your face. Uh, did did we podcast last week? We did. Remember, we recorded it early. Okay, so we, people think we podcasted last week. But no, we really, told we podcasted did, did, did two weeks ago. We told we were honest. We told them that we were okay. recording. Anyway, Hi. I am home, but I'm tempted to do this podcast in Espanol. Oh, see, <laughs> I I should probably be brushing up on my Spanish. So let's give it a shot. Oh, see. That's as far as, far okay. as I'll go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael Pupp is here with our pastor, who's back from Guatemala. Pa- Padre Roberto. Everybody has trouble with the name Father Herb in, in Spanish. Spanish. First of all, they don't pronounce the Ache, the Herb. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that the, uh, the per- person on the street, they cannot pronounce a word that ends with a hard consonant, like a B. Really? So it's not Padre Herb. Uh-huh. They end up having to add something. So it's Padre Herbe. Oh really? <laughs> so I so I tried to start telling people Heriberto, thinking they could get the Berto part. Yeah, and they didn't get that either. You should have been Miguel; it'd be a lot easier for you. <laughs> Padre Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. How yeah. was your trip? I mean, we haven't talked. Honestly, we have you not and talked. I haven't much talked today. because it's I just been a busy came day. in late last night, and this is this is the next day. What were some highlights for you while you were gone? The highlight is always just being with the Americans. The the gringos I'm with, yeah. who, as they discover the beauty of the Guatemalan people sure. and their faith, that's always number one. Number two, I truly, truly love, and I've done this now half a dozen, maybe eight to ten times, I love going to uh, Santiago, the church where Father Stan Rother hmm. uh, was killed, killed yeah. martyred. He is now the first uh, North American uh, U.S. citizen martyr. He, that has been beatified. So he's not been canonized He yet. was beatified in the last year, correct? About a year and a half ago. It was late 2017, I okay. believe. All right. And uh, if people remember, our parish was Blessed John the 23rd. So when you're beatified, that's your title. So he is now Blessed Stan Rother. Mm. Uh, very, very moving place. Uh, the church itself is the parish church. And then there's a room that's open as a little chapel where the actual crime took place where he was assaulted and killed uh, for defending the rights of the people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went in there and everybody was very silent, kind of prayerful. And then as people le- in our group left, I went back. Did you? And I sat sat in the room totally by myself for a while. Wow. It's, it's always a, a place where I pray, you know, for the courage to do the right thing. Wow. I find myself every time I go there praying for courage. That's a really holy place. I remember when we were there uh, just being really struck by, you know, the magnitude of what took place there. And then also just the 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 call to really be bold in your faith. Yeah, you know, be bold. So speaking of bold, we're going to be bold and go into the eighth Sunday in ordinary time. We are just, you know, what I'm finding funny is people, every year people say, oh, I just can't believe it's Ash Wednesday already. And it's so late this year compared to other years, but people are still saying, I can't believe it's Ash Wednesday, almost Ash Wednesday already. We're still about a week week away, but this is the final Sunday before Lent. Yes. So um, we've continued reading through... Luke's Gospel, and we are up to chapter 6. And I'm telling everybody, we will read from Luke during Lent. We will read from Luke during Easter season. Mm-hmm. But the, the continuity of the passages are going to jump around, and we will pick up again after Pentecost. 
So even though we have some loop between now and Pentecost, mm-hmm. uh, in between. And Pentecost uh, this year is... Is in ju- June. It's June 9th. Correct. And we don't read from Luke again until June 23rd. Oh, we'll be sipping margaritas by then. Yeah, June 23rd. I mean, we read from Luke, but in terms of continuing the passages. And then Luke 9, Luke 9, Luke 9. Okay, now 10, 11. Are you, pre- are you doing a little planning while we record the podcast? Yeah, I'm, I'm, pre- I'm preparing my homily for, <laughs> for June, June as we do the podcast today. It's going to be a doozy. Hey, uh, how, how was the weather in Guatemala, by the way? It was well, nice and warm. Uh, San Lucas, the mission is actually in the mountains. Yeah. So it's really wonderful. During the morning and evening, you wear long sleeves or maybe even a fleece. I remember that. And yeah. during the day, it gets up to really very pleasant, about 75 degrees. But the sun is very bright mm-hmm. and very close mm-hmm. and I always have sunscreen gonna, on. You don't look burnt hat, at all. And a big hat. But we did have members of our group get sunburned. Did they? That always happens. But then I spent the last three days with my sister and brother-in-law. We went, flew up into the Peten section. That's the northern section of Guatemala, which is all jungle. Peten. P-E-T-E-N. Uh-huh. Google it. Peten. Right now? No. Oh. I'm telling the person <laughs> out there who's listening. And it's the location where the Tikal and Yaxca. Gesundheit. Uh, those are some of the ruins we visited. Uh-huh. But in the jungle, it was 93 degrees Ugh. and humid. Ugh. And the howler monkeys were overhead and the spider monkeys. And we, speaking of spiders, we also, my, I have a picture of my brother holding a tarantula in his hand. Get out of town. Our, our guide found one and he let it crawl all over his hand. No way. Uh, I didn't touch it. I don't mind really most bugs or insects or arachnids technically a spider's an yeah. arachnid right uh but the tarantulas no way only humans and animals should have hair two centipedes i think they're like i <laughs> the other day there was a centipede in our house and i screamed at it god was really angry when he created you and then i killed it <laughs> oh that is so franciscan-esque <laughs> they are so hideous well, Somebody's going to yell at me I this be, weekend. I be, yeah, I bet even their mothers love them, though. I'm sure. <laughs> I would hope so. Okay, let's talk. It's talking about hideous. Let's talk about the gospel. Uh, the gospel's not hideous. My no, attitude the, towards the centipede the, was. Oh, the attitude of some of the people in the gospel is. Oh, okay. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind man, uh, I'm sorry, can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher, but when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice, I'm sorry, I can't see, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first, then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. And now the gospel continues. Michael's going to read the rest. A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For people do not pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from brambles. A good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good. But an evil person out of a store of evil produces evil. 
For from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we really have two different sets of images, and that's why I wanted you to read the second one, and I read the first one. There's just a lot lately. I mean, even last weekend's gospel reading, there was so much to do, and the previous weekend with the Beatitude. I mean, there's yeah. there's just a lot in these gospel readings. And, and don't judge people. And I love the image. Uh, Jesus was kind of known for being a representative of the Middle East in terms of language. Yeah. And so speaking in hyperbole, you know, Notice, you know, get that beam out of your own eye. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a big one. Now, I asked the Bible study this morning, how many people had ever at one point in their life uh, worn contact lenses, including mm-hmm. myself? I did for quite a few years. Have you ever worn contacts? I have not, no. Okay, if you wear contacts, you can get the tiniest, tiniest little bit of dust in the eye, mm-hmm. like between the contact lens and your eye. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you've got a big boulder. There. <laughs> it. I have taken contact lenses out, and you just think it's going to be so big, and, and you look and you can't see anything at all. And the reason you can't see anything at all is because you've already taken the contact lens out. <laughs> but, well, even if you don't wear contacts, think about just getting like a, a piece of dirt or an eyelash in your eye. Yeah. You know and how that oh, I feels. I hate eyelashes. Yeah. Well, they're important. You shouldn't hate them. Well, I, I hate getting them in my eyes. <laughs> That's how I feel <laughs> well, about centipedes. you ce- are a hard one to work with today. how I feel about centipedes. Oh, <laughs> get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Jesus is saying how quick we are to judge others, and we don't even see our own failures. Yeah. And, it's, and how can we teach someone else? People sometimes teach as gospel truth what's only partially of God. Hmm. People can, you know, can you imagine if you went to med school and the teacher is somebody who doesn't know anatomy? That would be very difficult. But they would sort of like make it up as they go. And, I, you know, like, oh, yes, uh, the... The elbow is there because that helps you comb your hair or you can move, bend your arm or something, you know, whatever it might be. You, you want the teacher to be good teacher, a good teacher who helps you understand. Mm-hmm. But I, I think sometimes we teach faith in a very superficial way, a very uninformed way. Can you give an example? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but could you be a little more concrete or, you know, something that you've you've experienced in the past that would exemplify that? Um, I have overheard already, and I I can't give the precise example, but I've overheard people maybe teaching, say say maybe a religious ed class, Mm -hmm. somebody who's not really a a trained teacher, and certainly not a theologian. And they're, they're saying something that is basically not... The, the Catholic doctrine. Um, yeah. You know, it's something that maybe a lot of people think, but it's not true. Or the, yeah. If, I'll give an example. Uh, somebody says they, they heard of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. Uh-huh. And they say, oh, yeah, that's because it's the virgin birth. You know, God is uh, the father of the child. Right. But that's not the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception at not, all. Not even close. And yet that gets passed on from generation to generation. Sure. Or people just assume it. Sure. So, you have to have the right stuff to share the right stuff. Lots of people have these fuzzy images of God that are not born out of Scripture 
or maybe even certainly not out of understanding of the church, mm -hmm. the collective wisdom of the, the ages or the centuries. Yeah. But maybe they're still at the second grade level. Well, we, you know, when we grow up in certain maybe culture or in our family, you know, different words or phrases or teachings or religious practices, you know, you just kind of become accustomed to what surrounds you as a child and that kind of carries you That's, into adulthood. Yeah. Now, on one hand, you can't just say, blame my mother because I make bad decisions. No. You know, she didn't teach me, right? But on the other hand, we are conditioned by our setting. And I remember when I worked with the ghetto kids up in, and they were, it was the the inner city kids of Chicago when, I mean, this is 40 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, their moral system was based on the, the wisdom of the streets. Mm. So when they, they stole the, the, the CB radio, if you remember the CBs, I you do. don't remember that. I know that era. I know they are just because okay. it was before my era. doesn't mean I don't. Okay. They, they, <laughs> they wanted to sell me a, a CB one day Yeah, and they knew I was a Catholic priest and they say, Padre, uh, we've got a CB. How much would you pay for it? And I just looked at them and said, where did you get it? Now, these were like seventh grade boys. Mm -hmm. And they liked me. So they were they were pretty upfront. I yeah. said, where did you get it? And they said, this is their answer. They said, well, the truck wasn't locked. <laughs> Gee. Well, that makes it fine then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the the rule of the, of the streets. Yeah. If it was not locked, it was fair game. So, yes, people are influenced from the world around them. Mm -hmm. But you can't just blame your circumstances or uh, you know, blame everything on the circumstances in which you grew up. It, it's, some, it's kind of like you have to say, yes, there's influence, but you also have to be responsible for your own decision-making. So consequently, uh, conscience formation is very important, mm -hmm. but it has to be formed according to something objectively correct and not just what we feel should be correct. So how does one, maybe a, how does a parent then make sure that they are raising their children and, the, you know, and forming themselves with a good conscience and with, uh, in line of what good Catholic. And you're asking me as a non-parent to, to I, th I think what I would do, first of all, I don't know if I'd be a good parent. I hope I would be. I think you'd be a pretty good parent. I would probably always try to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And probably always honest, you know, in the sense, you know, do you tell kids everything you know about everything? No, but you have to tell them as much as they need to know at the time. Yeah. And if something happens, like if a kid, one kid hits another one on the playground or something, you use that as an opportunity to talk about it. Sure. You know, what is the right decision to make? I love the opening line of this gospel. Uh, as soon as Jesus begins the parable, can a blind person guide a blind person? That's a very visual like it's very i can I, you can imagine it and it's somebody has to be able to see whether literally or figuratively to be able to guide another person so right? we ha yeah so we ask we have to ask ourselves how well do we see in order to help somebody else see and be and be um self-critical you know we might think we can see perfectly fine until you go to the eye doctor and he says oh my gosh you can't see at all. And then you put on glasses for the first time. You think, wow, all the things that I've been missing. A, fr a friend of mine told me that when he was a kid, the first time he got glasses, apparently he had need of glasses for a long time, but nobody knew it until one teacher pointed it out to his mother. Mm -hmm. And he got glasses and he said it, he put the glasses on, walked out of the optometrist store or shop, whatever it's called, yeah. office. And he looked down the street and it was the first time he realized that a, the tree 
was made up of individual leaves. Mm. You know, before this, he always saw kind of the green blotch, just like a, you <laughs> just know, just a blob. A, well, like a little kid takes a crayon and just scribbles green. Little kid, speak for yourself. I still color that way. Okay, yeah. well, a little kid, <laughs> and he said he realized there were individual leaves, and it was like, it was like the veil was lifted. And yeah. So, wouldn't that be great if we could really see uh, God's will, God's way of looking at the world there was a reading and i i don't i think it was from hebrews and you you may know because you know bible better than i do uh it was during daily mass within the last four weeks well we had a lot of hebrews recently yes. until we started old testament about three weeks ago but um yeah because we were doing genesis and now we're in syrac syrac yeah so but um the line was keeping our eyes fixed on jesus and that really struck me as as you go throughout the day, as you go throughout your week, uh, keeping not not just Jesus in the periphery, but keeping your eyes fixed on him in everything that we do. How and, conscious are people as they go through the day? Is this what God wants me to do? Not just like, is this what's keeping my boss happy or keeping keeping me happy? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, is this the best way for me to use my time? But by ke- yeah, keeping our eyes fixed on him will help us to be able to lead other people. And let me use that as a a segue into the second half of the gospel. Sure. The part that Michael read, a good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. But I want to go back to the final line. Well, I love that you don't pick figs off of thorn bushes or grapes off of brambles. I'm going to try that sometime. By the way, you happen to use the word bramble a lot. And before, I mean, besides maybe this gospel passage. You had never heard the word? It's not a word that I would use every day. What exactly is a bramble? Is it like a... It's a pasta. It's a brimble. It's a <laughs> <laughs> is it like a just a conglomeration of weeds? Br- brambles are uh, not just weeds, but they're usually uh, weeds with thorns. Okay. I think I would put that. Okay. So it's not quite a thorn bush. I almost picture like a ball. It's like a ball? It No. No it's, no. it's more like a thorn bush. You're probably right. Okay. Okay. The next one. Next line. A good person... Out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good. But an evil person out of the store of evil produces evil. The word store. Like we're going shopping? No, like a storage. Like we're keeping it. We're keeping it. Containing it. So a good person out of the goodness that is uh, collected in his heart. It's sort of like we need to have, we need to have the stuff there. The old line, you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. We've got to have the good stuff already stored up mm-hmm. inside us. And then it comes out. When you say that, you know what I, I immediately think of? Eucharist. Yeah. But it's not storage. That's active. Uh, Eucharist is a verb more than a noun. You know, you don't just get communion. You come into communion. Sure. You live in communion with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But it is through the Eucharist that we have the basic goodness in our heart. But it's not just passively there, like... Uh, like coins in Super Mario World. Well, I, I'm thinking of the, the old image of going to the bank and they open the, the great big door of the, the safe and people walk in and all these gold bricks and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bags of coins. Yeah. It's not that, but it's like all that good that's churning around inside you. And it automatically comes out by what we say and do. And, you know, if can a good person do something stupid and hurtful? Yes. All the time. But most likely, if there's a store or storage of goodness inside, it's more likely to come out good. 
So how do we store up goodness? By being around good. Good with a capital G, being around the good, being mm-hmm. around God till it rubs off, mm-hmm. but also by being around other people who are around God. Mm. Christianity is a communal spirituality. Sure. I've said that over and over again. If we live in not just going to church, but if we live uh, totally planted in the middle of goodness, yeah. and it, if it's always around us, that's why people get up at 6.30 in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning to pray with other people before they go to work. I'll like, tell you. Like I'll, our early morning, the wake-up Bible study, that kind of thing. Yeah, the uh, the men's disciple group that I'm doing right now, and some of them are avid, avid 23 podcast listeners, they, mostly for you. They don't really care. This is a salute. They don't really care about me. Um, it has been so good in my life to have other men that I can rely on as um, men of faith that we can talk about being fathers or husbands or Catholics and uh, just to even have our, you know, we have a group text message that, you know, everybody just rattles off every once in a while throughout each day. And, you know, this is a group of men that are, are seeking to go to mass with each other during the week or uh, sharing confession times or whatever it may be that we can be accountable to one another. Um, that's why community is so important here. And that's why we want people to be in disciple groups. We have to have community. Uh, our church has become very big very quickly. I'm talking about our parish. Right. But uh, you don't want that. That's not really what it's all about. It's the community. It becomes a community of communities, and we have to belong. And so they have that store or that storage of goodness. So if you're looking for a disciple group, you can go to 23.church and sign up for a group there, and we'll get you paired with some other people. And it's really a great time as we head into Lent maybe to get plugged into a group. And we'll be back again next week. Here we go again, back to the daily grind. And to Lent. Can't wait. Amen.